You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio and the classic car show. We put our Facebook out, we put our Twitter out, and uh, everybody should know about the classic car show by now. Getting up, getting going, have that cup of coffee, and we're proud to say that uh, we have word that uh, we're still number one in the U.K., and um, that's exciting to know that we're... uh, we, we're a force to deal with all over the country, I guess, and all over the world as well. So we've got uh, two people missing. Uh, Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber are out doing their thing somewhere. I think Steve's on a tour and Jim's in uh, Mobile, Alabama at a car dealership doing something. So who do we turn to but the man? <laughs> we turn to the man, James Dunst. Uh, is our, our, uh, we turn to James all the time for anything, actually, questions about cars of any shape, form, or fashion, and any age, and uh, James has the answer, and we're going to have a great show today. We're going to talk about, a little bit about winterizing, uh, that classic car. We're also going to talk about um, getting that car ready to uh, transport a little bit, and uh, then we'll just talk in general, and if you have something you'd like to ask James, we'll, um, if I can get one of the laptops going, just uh, follow us on Facebook and Facebook Live and uh, type in a comment, and we'll go from there, and we, I want to thank everybody. We, we've got a new program coming out very shortly. It's going to be called uh, Be a Patron, and um, we'll be publishing uh newsletters and uh, if you're a patron and being a patron means that uh, you're helping us stay on the air and uh, your interest in the different shows will help us out it costs uh, all of five dollars a month to be a patron i think that's what uh, they've settled on i'm i'm not real sure i only own the place and do what they what they tell me to do here so uh, i'm sure other people have been in that situation before you do what you're told so, anyway, we're going to be introducing the patron uh, program. We're going to be giving away T-shirts and pens and coffee mugs and all sorts of stuff as we go down the road. And if you're a patron, uh, your uh, contribution to keep us going uh, will be appreciated, and uh, you'll also get something out of it down the road. So it should be fun, and um, we always take your suggestions, and uh, look forward to hearing from you. So with that being said, James, welcome once again to America's Web Radio. And uh, James really isn't that big that he fills two chairs, but he is filling two chairs today. Well, I appreciate being here. I enjoy it. I love talking about cars, and I love talking about the problems. You said I had the uh, the answers on a lot of different things. That just proves I've been around a long time. (laughs) Well, like my grandpappy used to say when people would ask him how he's doing, and he'd say, well, I'm just suffering from extreme maturity. (laughs) I can relate. Oh, so can I now, unfortunately. (laughs) I liked it better when I was uh, like a dog, 23, chasing a car, you know, than being 73, and uh, I can't keep up with a five-year-old on a scooter. But anyway, uh, it's better better than looking at uh, grassroots. So 
Uh, we'll we'll take we'll take vertical anytime. And uh, you know the one this is this is something else that we're gonna we're gonna be starting pretty soon is a uh, nostalgia show, and uh, it it will be sponsored by the famous roadside store, one of the first ever, and it started here in Georgia. And that's all I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. I'll give you any more clues because it's going to be so cool. And uh, the lady that's working on it, a beautiful lady, and she's going to be talking about all sorts of kinds of nostalgia from uh, uh, Debbie Cupcakes uh, to Moon Pies and all points in between. And uh, it's going to be a fun show, and we're looking forward to it. It probably will start about the 1st of January. We're still in the prep stages and uh but it's going to be fun and you know people and i and i i hate to say this because it's uh it's sad that uh our quote unquote millennials that are coming up uh i don't think they have an appreciation for nostalgia and memories and things of the past like even my generation our generation james and uh, mm-hmm. loving to go see the old cars and and knowing in your mind if it weren't for that car or that old pickup or that old truck, our great country wouldn't be our great country. We, we owe so much to the automotive industry in the United States. We've been highly blessed by the greatest infrastructure of any nation in the world. And you can get in a truck and... L.A. and never stop until you get to New York, and we've we've got the greatest greatest thing going, and God has blessed us in many many ways. Well, you know the, the automobile actually they say is thirty eight percent of the American economy. Everything that surrounds uh, automobiles, uh, sales, manufacturing parts, and uh, advertising, and everything else that goes along with it thirty eight percent. That's quite a bit. That's a ton. And, you know, you just said something that I, I I don't guess I've thought about it recently, but they're not near the car ads like they used to be on TV. Or am I just missing them? No, you're right. You're, you're correct. It's funny. I have a, a tape of commercials back in the 50s, and it's quite comical to watch. Oh, I'm sure. Watch those older commercials. See the USA in your Chevrolet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, you don't uh, see that anymore. No, and Desi and Lucy getting stuck in their Ford, pulling a pulling a trailer, and uh, yeah. you just no, you don't. And uh, no. I guess if I see, if I remember and see any car commercials, chances are they're for imports as opposed to domestic cars. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I, I, you know, I. I missed with my sons, and and um, they they missed the boat as well. Um, but I the thrill when I was oh gosh, I guess I started when I was when I was about six or seven years old, and um, every year there'd be a new model car. Every 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 car company or every car manufacturer came out with their new look, and. Uh, I, I'm I'm so old and dumb. I can't imagine how they put it together in a year's time or two years' time to come out with the with the '57 Chevy or the 
56 Ford or this or that, whatever. But the thrill, being a kid, it was like it was. It was better, almost better than any holiday. You looked for it, and they'd, mm-hmm. they'd, the dealerships in your hometown, your home city, would start announcing um, the grand opening, the grand showroom of the new model Chevy, the new model mm-hmm. Ford, or whatever, you know. And and um, you'd go. Well, to you just a, brought you just brought back a memory when you mentioned '56 uh, Ford, because back when I was 15 years old, my father bought a '56 Ford custom Mm -hmm. for me and uh i mean i wasn't old enough to drive yet and this ford uh when you poured the oil in the the top of the engine it ran out the bottom just as fast (laughs) but uh, it it was comical because the the first thing i did is i'm going to tear this thing apart i had no idea what i was doing but uh, i kind of learned as i went was this a brand new 56 or no <laughs> no, it was a high mileage '56 that leaked oil faster than you could bore it. <laughs> well, my my first car had been uh, my dad's salesman's car, and it was a '55 Chevy station wagon or '54. I'm sorry, '54 for '54 Chevy station wagon, three on the tree, and it had a hundred and uh, uh, 265 engine, and it had a um, all of a, uh, a two barrel carb on it, and it had 125,000, 130,000 miles on a, a lot of miles, and that sucker just kept on running till I sold it. Mm-hmm. My uh, mother and father, they had a 54 Chevrolet, and it was kind of, this is funny in a way. But uh, that's back when they had the single master cylinder. They didn't have a dual master cylinder. And my mother would drive this car, and she'd be coming up to an intersection, push on the brakes, and they'd go down on the floor. <laughs> and a minute later, the pedal was back. Well, she'd go home, complain to my father, and my father, he'd jump in, drive it around, slam on the brakes forward and backward, and say, uh, you're imagining it. Until one day, my father came home, and he drove in the garage, and he stepped on the brakes and it didn't stop I he kept on the, going he, he pushed the back of the garage out about three feet <laughs> and then he believed her oh wow you know that is such a sick feeling you know you put your foot on the brake and it just goes to the floor yep that's uh and you and you know you still had the emergency brake, but you didn't almost didn't have time to think of well why don't I pull the emergency brake, right? Do something you know and uh, you know a lot of times you'd throw it in gear, double clutch, throw it in gear, maybe even throw it in reverse if if it was standard shift um, mm-hmm. to try to stop that sucker. But and those uh, those emergency brakes, especially if you lived in the north, uh, Wisconsin is where I came from. And they salt the roads a lot. Half the time, the emergency brakes don't work because they're all rusted and corroded from the salt getting in there. So if you want to pull it on, it wouldn't go on anyway. Well, you and I talked about what are we gonna what are we gonna talk about? Well, we're gonna actually we're gonna talk about classic cars in a second. And uh, being that this is the classic car show, and uh, uh, we James is an expert on classic cars as is our two compadres that are MIA missing in action today they uh, like I said one's in Mobile Alabama and one's uh, on a tour somewhere I'm not even sure where he's touring but uh, I'm sure he's got a good excuse for being there 
And uh, James Dunce, who is with Bell Performance, uh, we're, we're delighted to have him on any time that he can come on. And we're going to start talking right now about winterizing your classic car. And uh, it, uh, day before yesterday here in Atlanta, it was, it was chilly. It was in the 40s. But today, uh, when I came into the office, it was 66. So our uh, winter was short-lived, you might say. But I'm sure it will be back. And I uh, uh, wanted to talk about putting that classic car up for the winter. Well, you know what I have to say, uh, Dave, not just putting it up for the winter, but if you're putting it up for long-term storage, uh, these things really should be done. Uh, the first thing I recommend is filling the fuel tank completely full right up to the top. And the reason for that is you limit the airspace on top of the fuel. And if you have humidity in the air, you're going to have that humidity in the tank. And if you limit, uh, you, you limit the amount of space that's in the tank, you'll have less air in contact with the fuel. Because if you're using uh, ethanol fuel, ethanol has a tendency to pull the humidity right from the air into the fuel. So if you if you eliminate the airspace on top, you'll have very little of that absorbed into the fuel. And the other thing you need to do is, uh, you, you, your listeners have probably heard the term fuel stabilizer. Most people don't know what fuel stabilizer is. Uh, fuel stabilizers uh, change fuel chemically so that they don't break down quickly. Uh, fuel is organic, and after a while, it'll begin to rot and, and, and uh, uh, break down. So stabilizers, what they do is they change it uh, to slow that process down. You can double or triple the life of the fuel in the tank if it's stored if you uh, add stabilizer to it. And, and what kind of stabilizer would you recommend? Well, you know I'm going to recommend <laughs> Bell Performance. Well, certainly. <laughs> of course. I, I wouldn't think of anything but that. So, um, I guess the other thing, uh, do you promote putting that car, that classic car, uh, up on on uh, jacks to keep the yes, tires I, from sitting and rotting? Yes, I do. Uh, one of the problems, uh, some of the older cars where you get back into the wooden wheels, back into the T's and, and all of those... Um, the tires that they make now for these, it's not a high-quality tire. And when, if you leave it sit uh, on the uh, concrete for a period of time, you'll develop flat spots in the tire. And uh, they're pretty hard to get out of uh, there uh, once you start driving it again. But uh, and the other thing is you need to keep them aired up. Uh, most people don't realize that when you air up a tire, I get this question all the time. They say, you know, I aired it up, but why am I losing air? You know, over three, four weeks, I lose four or five pounds of air. The molecules in, in the air will actually penetrate the rubber. They'll go right through it. And over a period of time, it's not uncommon in four to five weeks to lose four or five pounds of air. So keep them aired up. And, you know, now they use the nitrogen, and the nitrogen does not have the, uh, does not penetrate the rubber like the uh, regular air uh, does. And that's the reason that they use it, so you don't have the reduction in air pressure. And how is that important? Uh, used to work for AAA. We did uh, inspections during National Car Care Month. And one of the things that we did, we'd go to different cities and we'd line up the cars and run tests on them. But one of the things that we did was we checked the air pressure in the tires. Eighty percent of the cars that came through that line had low tire pressure on at least one or more tires. And they say that's a single thing that we can do to save the most fuel in this country 
is to keep our tires aired up. You know, that's one option or one feature that I have on my car, my Explorer, that I love the fact that I can check my pressure anytime, going down the road uh, when I first get in it. You know, it, it's fantastic. And, you know, I uh, it's amazing, too, to watch it in that it will vary a little bit. Uh, you'll think you got all four tires at 32 pounds and one will show up at 31 and another one at uh, 33 and uh, keeping uh, keeping them adjusted all to the same capacity is uh, is a trick yeah you know one, one question i get and we're coming up to that part of the year and it's probably that way up actually now actually hold whatever you're talking about because right. we got to take a quick break and i didn't i was letting time slip away from me We'll be back with James Dunce on America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show, and he's got an important fact to give you right after this. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby, the first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind, Passport Transport. Your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we do appreciate you listening to America's Web Radio and all of our shows. And we are so blessed, James, that that we've got just the greatest hosts going. And one of the biggest compliments is Fox News has started doing (laughs) shows that are very similar to what we started many months ago. And now our uh, local newspaper has taken up one of our subjects, which is elderly abuse. And and so did Fox News. And neither one of them were saying a thing about elderly abuse until we started doing a weekly show on it called SAFE. and that's for senior citizens and, and uh, protecting themselves against elderly abuse. And we, uh, I guess the, the height of, uh, of uh, whatever is being copied. And uh, so as long as we're an advocate for many, many things, and one of them is classic cars, and that's why we're doing this show. And that's because our kids... And since uh, I started the station and uh, Steve Ronaldo joined me on the Classic Car Show, uh, our main mission and focus has been on kids and getting them interested in classic cars. And uh, (laughs) now this is how stupid I am, but my thrill growing up started at about 11 or 12 years old with our next door neighbor Jimmy Copeland had a 49 Chevy and he had the neatest thing in his garage it was called a Jeeper Creeper now you've never heard of one of those I'm sure have you 
Oh, I've heard of those. And probably laid down on one or two of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, I was, like I said, I, I've never been big. So at 10 or 11, 12 years old, I could I could literally get on that Jeeper Creeper and go under the car without really having to jack it up that much. And uh, my mother was not pleased that I would get under a car, but uh, I love the fact that Jimmy Copeland, who was at that point, um, he had his driver's license, obviously. I guess I guess Jimmy uh, was uh, maybe, uh, maybe 16, 17, 18 years old, but he had let me help him on his car. And uh, you were talking about your, your father realizing that the brakes, the master cylinder had gone. Well, I learned at 12 years old what it was to bleed the lines. And uh, I was the official sit in the car, and I'd actually have to lay down in the, in, under the, on the driver's seat to get to the <laughs> brake pedals. Um, mm-hmm. But I'd pump them up, and Jimmy would bleed them. And, uh, and then also uh, on that Jeeper Creeper, I'd get under the car, and, uh, I mean, I, it was a strain, but I did it. And uh, I'd take the uh, oil filter off for him. And uh, we'd change oil in that old 49 Chevy. I think it was a Chevy. Back then, if you recall, the Chevy and GMC looked identical. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember whether it was, and it had that slope back. I can't remember whether it was a a GMC or a Chevy. I think it was a Chevy. But anyway, uh, that was my first real introduction to getting good and dirty. You, you, uh, just jogged me when you said uh, that you were the pumper in the vehicle for bleeding the brakes. Yeah. You know, that's not a, that's not a good way to do it anymore, and, and there's a reason for that. One of the, and I won't mention who it is, but one of the major uh, car repair outfits, uh, they got sued because they had master cylinder failures after brake jobs. Hmm. So when, you, when you're pumping those brakes, the, the piston on the inside, the cups on the inside, they actually travel a certain distance back and forth. And inside there, because you have, uh, brake fluid is, is, has alcohol in it, it does absorb moisture into it also. And you get a lot of corrosion and crud and buildup inside that master cylinder. But when it works in that narrow area there, it's not effective. But when you go to pump the brakes, let's say you're going to bleed the brakes and you push that pedal all the way down to the floor. Now you're moving that piston inside there in a place that it hasn't operated where you've probably got corrosion and rust. After that, you end up with a, um, uh, a master cylinder failure. And this organization said that they had uh, one, uh, they, they estimated it was one in 20 uh, brake jobs had a master cylinder failure afterwards. Huh. So what they did is they op- adopted a, uh, a policy when they do a brake job, they do a master cylinder. Hmm. The, way to, the way to bleed the brakes, you either use a pressure bleeder that forces it through there, or a vacuum bleeder. I use a vacuum bleeder. You put it on the uh, uh, the wheel cylinder. There's a little bleeder on there. You put it on there, and it actually draws the fluid through the system uh, into a container. But that's the way to do it now. But I want to go back to what you were talking about on the air pressure. Uh, you were saying that you look at the dash, and you could read this one, and that one is low, or that one is high. And the first time I saw that, I wondered, how in the world does that work? How does that thing know that uh, that those tires are at a certain pressure? 
they got little micro circuit in the in their caps and the valve caps, and it actually reads those little transmitters. Is how they do it. And what happens now? We, we being down in Florida, it hasn't got cold yet. But the first cold day we get, <laughs> people will come up to me and say, "My tire light is on yeah. on the dash." Yeah. And it's because the air pressure, when it's cooler, it shrinks, and the pressure goes down. And that happens every year, uh, right about this time. Mm-hmm. We, we've talked about that on the show many times, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I was delighted to see, we, like I said, we had a cold spell uh, last week that, uh, you know, got, it was in the 40s, which isn't really a cold spell, but it's certainly a lot cooler than 72 in the morning. And... Um, you know, I went out, and sure enough, there was my my little uh, flat tire, half or quarter flat tire, up on the dashboard. You know, and and mm-hmm. uh, instead of worrying about it, I just looked at my tire pressure on the car, and there was one. Uh, I, I I run mine at about thirty two across the board, mm-hmm. and uh, there was one tire that was down to all of twenty nine. But you know, as soon as you hit the road, Jack, uh, that pressure comes back up pretty fast. Yes, it does. You get a little heat on it, and poof, there it goes. So, yes, it, uh, yes, it does. But we can go back to the, the storing your vehicle for the winter or, or storing it for long term. Sure. Uh, the second item that, that uh, I recommend is changing the oil and filter. And the reason I say that is uh, you end up with moisture or water in the oil. You end up with uh, acids because as the, the oil breaks down, there are acids that form. And when those acids sit in that, that um, oil pan for a long period of time they do corrode the inside they do do some damage so recommend changing the oil and filter right before that let, the, uh, let me ask too do you also recommend or don't recommend as the case might be that um, you know that this time of year was antifreeze changing time and um, my dad would wait until the wind was ice cold and blowing good and say, David, go drain the radiators and we'll put new antifreeze in. Well, that's interesting. (laughs) That's interesting because when I lived up north, that was a common thing. When winter was coming, uh, usually you drained your cooling system out and you put the fresh antifreeze in it. But down in the south, people tend to ignore the cooling system. I had an auto repair center down here in the Orlando area. And I can tell you the most ignored system in a vehicle was the cooling system because they just don't think about it because they don't think of, uh, of freezing uh, down here in the south. But there's something that happens. Uh, as antifreeze starts to break down, it also starts to form acids in the cooling system. And when you have two different metals and you have acid, you, you've got a battery. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll actually have current flow in the cooling system. And you can test this. You can take a voltmeter that reads millivolts. You can put one probe in the water and one to the uh, to the engine block. And if you get a reading, you actually have a low pH or high acid situation. And if now, you leave now, that, James, you, that's that's yeah. shocking to hear that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> pun pun. <laughs> uh, if you leave that, I mean, you don't do anything with that. What happens is it'll eat the uh, fins off of the water pump. And I've seen that time and time again where half the fins on the water pump are gone because what will happen is they'll set up a current flow inside. It's kind of like a boat engine. On the back of a boat uh, engine, they have what they call sacrificial anodes. 
and it's a zinc that goes one on the bottom, one on top. And in the salt water, there's a current flow. So what it does is the current travels between those two zincs, and it'll eat them up. It's called that's why it's called a sacrificial zinc. But in the vehicle, they don't have that. So the best thing to do every year is to flush that out. And they do have some uh, products. We don't make it, but they make a product to neutralize acid. And I, what I would do is I would flush it out and put some of that neutralizer in there and then flush it through and then add the antifreeze. When we're talking antifreeze now, we've got to be careful because there's different kinds of antifreeze now. Uh, you have the old green type, the ethylene glycol. But now you have pink stuff. And the problem with that is some vehicles require it. It has to do with the aluminum cell and it has to so forth. The problem come in, comes in if you mix them. If you mix the pink stuff with the green stuff, it forms a jelly and restrict and plug up your uh, cooling system. And the other thing to remember is pure antifreeze. If you put pure antifreeze in, it will freeze. It'll freeze just a couple of degrees below the freezing point. I don't understand the, the, the chemistry of it, but you ha- it has to be a 50-50 mix with water. Hmm. And when it's a 50-50 mix, it'll drop it all the way down to like 40, 45 below zero. With that thought, we got to take another break. You're listening to America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show with our host, Mr. James Dunst, today. And we appreciate James being in, filling in for Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber and doing a fantastic job as always. We'll be back right after this. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. Hi, I'm Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about antique car insurance. Uh, in this hobby uh, that I've been part of for years, not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such as agreed value. Uh, insurance for your classic car. Again, if you're when you get ready to to uh, insure your classic classic antique or even your street ride, call J.C. Taylor Insurance or visit jctaylor.com. This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business professionals business practices, and fascinating individuals to get an insider view of how America works, 10 to 11 a.m. on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. We sure appreciate you listening and making us number one in the country. We're the largest producing podcast station in the country now, and we thank you. We're on every player imaginable and if for some reason you're listening to us on the internet but you can't get us on your telephone because you use a different player please let us know and we'll get on that player just as quickly as we can as far as we know we're on every one 
every player out there from uh, iTunes to Google, up and down, uh, Spotify, you know, you name it, and we think we're on it. But if we're not, please let us know, and we'll get on it just so you can listen to the golden tones of James Dunstan fairly frequently. You didn't, you didn't think I was going to get you in there, but uh, I had to get you in because you got something else to say about antifreeze. Yeah, well, they call it coolant also, antifreeze and coolant. And a lot of the older cars, they need all the help they, they can get when it comes to keeping the engine cool because the cooling systems were not as efficient as they are now. And there's about a 20 or 25% better heat transfer when you have antifreeze in the system than if you have just plain water. The other thing to, to remember, and this is an interesting fact, that if you have plain water in that vehicle or in the engine, when it freezes, once it freezes, there's a 9% increase or expansion yeah. in that water. <laughs> and the amount of pressure that it can exert is, is staggering. It's up to 100,000 PSI per square inch. Now, that's going to break anything that it's in. And I've seen that happen over and over again, even here in Florida. We had a case where we had uh, uh, lower upper teen or lower teen temperatures here for a couple of days, and we had pipes breaking everywhere. We had engine blocks that were cracking. It was a mess. But it's important that important to maintain your cooling system. Yes, sir. I uh, I had a friend that uh, had a beautiful '57 Chevy, and. Uh, it had gotten cold, and uh, <laughs> well, a cold spell in Lubbock, and it had dropped down to the I think early or high mid to mid to low mid to high twenties. And uh, he got on it going to we were all in high school. He got on it going to high school, and there was this loud explosion as uh, it. And I was surprised his car had even cranked. But it had and did, and uh, it didn't like that cold weather at all, and uh, he blew it. Mm. And it was a costly uh, lesson for him. But he had, uh, sure. I think he had a, what was it, 283 in him back then? In what year was it? 57. 283. Yeah. Which was the same block as the 265, right? Mm-hmm. Just yes, bored. You know that's the that's the thing that oh wow look at this these new engines of 409 well the 409 wasn't anything but a 348 that had been bored and stroked mm-hmm. or wore out <laughs> or, or wore out <laughs> yeah but um, I had a 348 with three deuces on it and uh, I could eat most four barrel 409s up. I just I had that much more power. Then again, I'd had it bored and stroke too. But we didn't tell anybody that. I just had a stock three forty eight. Yeah. Well, the next item on the list is is where you're parking the vehicle, and I have an interesting story that goes with this. Uh, I, ideally, you want to park it in a dry place, preferably on a concrete um, bottom. Uh, a number of years ago, I we had a family member die. And uh, he had a 55 Hudson Hornet Hollywood, if you've ever heard of those. (laughs) And he had this thing parked. It was parked in a chicken coop. And it was on a dirt floor. 
and it sat in there for five or six years. Oh, wow. And they ended up giving me that car. And when I got the car, oh, I'm sorry. The bottom, <laughs> <laughs> it was one ugly car. <laughs> but that's the one that had the big Continental kit on the back. It had a Packard V8 engine in it. Yeah. But uh, when, I, when I picked up the car, the whole bottom of the car was rotted out and rusted out. I'm sure being in a chicken coop with chicken manure on the ground didn't help either with the acids <laughs> from the manure. But uh, also the engine was seized up. And this is something, if you're going to store a vehicle for a long period of time, you're going to want to take the spark plugs out and you're going to want to squirt some oil in the cylinders so that you don't end up with an engine that seizes up or locks up on you. Mm-hmm. Very critical. And that's what happened to this one. You know, uh, let me throw out something else that... A lot of people don't uh, that I know of don't use or don't try. But um, if you get a car, and I know James, you've you've never had a car like this, but I was so poor that I had a few cars like this that really didn't smell so good inside. <laughs> oh, I had them too. But if you if if you get a car like that, you know it's the same thing as your refrigerator. Get your get your baking powder, and open a couple of boxes, and make sure you you know it's not going to spill. But just you know, and there it's amazing how baking baking soda or whatever it's called will take the smell out of anything, and it will a car too. Mm-hmm. And you know, also if you go to like Home Depot, they sell these desiccant. Uh, uh, containers where you can set those in there and it'll draw the humidity that's in the air in the car and it'll draw it down into a container and they work really well i use them all the time yes sir so we've we've helped some folks out with stinking cars and and uh wet cars so but it's uh it's it's amazing the what old products or products that we don't think of will do for us if we just use them. Mm-hmm. Cologne will work, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, the, the thing about parking the vehicle, well, if you have to park it on a dirt floor, uh, put plastic down first so that it doesn't, uh, so the humidity and, and moisture from the ground doesn't do damage to the bottom of the car. But uh, put a good layer of plastic on it before you put it there. And there's something, I was trying to think, something else um, besides that plastic, and I can't think of what it was. I, I'll think about about 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'll call you. But speaking of plastic, uh, another thing you want to do, is, and I've seen a lot of this, is to keep the vermin, the mice and the rats and things, out of your vehicle. Mm-hmm. If it's in such a place where they are active, uh, they will build nests in the air cleaner, and they will chew the wires. My wife right here, we're right here uh, in the open, uh, she, her brand new car two years ago, I look under the hood and I see all the wiring to the injectors in that bear. And what the mice had done, I'm sure it was mice, they got up in there and ate the insulation off of the wires. Mm-hmm. But uh, what we recommend is if you have the old-style air cleaner and that, go ahead and put a plastic over the opening to keep uh, things from getting in there because I've actually found nests actually found mice and rat nests inside the air cleaner on those old cars. And the other thing is the exhaust pipes. You want to make sure that you cover those, uh, put some aluminum foil over it, tape it shut so nothing can get into the uh, into the exhaust system. And I do one other thing. 
is you can buy these little blocks of uh, uh, rat and mouse bait. Uh, give them something to eat besides the wires, and the stuff that you give them to eat ends up killing them. Now we'll have the PETA people on us. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, if they're good-looking, they, they can come on. Um, there's also a thing in North Georgia called the flying squirrel, and um, they will do just like mice will, and uh, they will eat the... Uh, They'll not only eat the wire bear, but they'll also eat uh, the insulation. And well, that is very true. Uh, I used to work for a citrus company, and we had these wind machines in the orange groves, and there were a couple of them that every time I got up there, the hoses, the belts, everything was all chewed up on it. I couldn't figure out what it was. I thought it was rats. It turned out to be squirrels. Yeah. So you are correct. So there are varmints that like cars just like we do. Um, oh, you got it. <laughs> and you got to respect them, I guess. But, uh, okay, so we're talking um, putting a car up. There was a – oh, one other thing I wanted to hit you on, uh, and a lot of people will overdo it, but it's still important to do, and that's be sure that uh, your car is well greased, in my opinion. Yes, yes. And that's a good thing because when you're greasing it, you're actually forcing uh, any salt because most of the cars in the country are exposed to salts in the north, and it squeezes that out of there uh, so that you don't have the corrosion on the uh, on the ball joints and, and tie rod ends or kingpins or whatever your vehicle has. So now let's transport a car. What do we need to do to prepare to transport? Uh, you know, be- before you get away from I have one other oh, thing. Sure. And it has to do with the battery. And this is a mistake that a lot of people make is they leave that battery in there and do nothing with it for the winter. Mm-hmm. The problem with that, first of all, if you have a dead battery, it will freeze. A uh, charged battery will not freeze, but a dead one will. And the other thing is batteries need to be charged and drained occasionally uh, to extend their life. Um, what I usually recommend is take the battery out. Take the battery out, put it on... Uh, a, a bench and put a trickle charger on it. Let it trickle charge slowly for a period of time but then put something on there that will drain it down. Let it drain all the way down to uh, to where it's dead and then recharge it. Batteries will last longer if you do that than if you just top them off all the time. And this is true on your cell phones today. If you just keep topping them off, it shortens the life of the battery. Hmm. And, you know, I, and I mentioned this in previous shows with you you know, they they say, oh, don't put a battery on a concrete floor. That's no longer true. Uh, years ago, they used to make uh, cases out of tar paper and wood and everything else. And on, on those batteries, it tended to drain the charge out. But it doesn't have any effect on the modern batteries. But there's a lot of people that think that it still does. Interesting. You know, uh, I guess of all the parts or equipment or whatever you want to call it on a car i guess uh one of the things i was almost always uh the most skittish of and careful with um was the battery and the battery acid and wearing protective glove or protective gloves as well as protective lenses uh you know the old batteries well you remember better than i but 
you know, you could have a battery, not really, a, I don't guess it was really an explosion, but you'd get the acid uh, flaring up on it uh, when you'd open one of the caps or whatever. And um, I guess my dad put the fear in me of when I was messing with the battery to be extra careful because you didn't want to get battery acid on it, on you. Any price. <laughs> and you sure didn't want to get it in your eyes. And the other thing you have to remember, too, if you're charging, if you, if you have a battery in a car and you smell this, this rotten egg smell, which is the hydrogen gas when the battery is, is actually overcharging, if you overcharge a battery, it will boil the acid out of the battery. And, and the other thing to keep in mind is that acid or that those fumes that are coming out of there are hydrogen. It's explosive. So you've got to be really careful with that. And the other caution is... Um and how many times has this happened? I can't crank my car. Can you give me a boost? And, oh, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't know how to boost a, a car off, you know, which is unfortunate. But, uh, you know, either they'll cross leads or they'll, you know, leave their car running and, and hook up to a battery or, you know, there's just... Why don't you give us, for the ladies that are listening and are some of the gentlemen that don't know how to boost a car off, give us the correct way to do it. Well, first of all, when you say boost, we're, we're talking about using some jumper cables. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and i got to tell you about these jumper cables. There are a lot of cheap jumper cables that you can buy that have aluminum wire. And what I look at in a good jumper cable is one that if I hooked it up to my vehicle and I hooked it up to a dead battery that that other vehicle would start immediately uh, by turning it over. Most bad, most battery cable or, or booster cables will not do that. What you end up having to do is you have to sit there and let them charge for a while in order to build up some uh, uh, juice in the, in the dead battery. But to have a good set of jumper cables, they do cost money because they have copper on the inside. But uh, also in boosting the vehicles now with the modern cars, you know, you have a lot of electronics, so you want to be careful that you're not arcing anything. And the uh, the first thing that you do when when you're hooking up the cables, you always hook up the the uh, negative side first. Hook up the negative side uh, because there's a chance that if you have one side hooked up and you have the positive hooked up, that if you touch something, you're going to cause arcing, which can cause an explosion if you had a lot of acid uh, around it. So you hook up your battery, uh, you hook up your negative cable first, then you hook up your positive. And then uh, go ahead and start the vehicle. And uh, let's stop right there. We'll come back to uh, after you've started your vehicle, what you need to do. We'll be back right after this. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby, the first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind, Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. 
Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And just a reminder, we've got uh, gardening coming up today. We've got uh, our uh, Let's Talk Venezuelan on uh, later in the day. We've got uh, tomorrow, we've got uh, uh, Dr. Michael Youssef with Leading the Way on at 11 o'clock. And he is great. And we just got so much good programming on America's Web Radio that you can tune in about any time and find an interest in. We've got land surveying show. We've got just uh, a detailing addiction show with Dr. Susan Blank, a relationship show with Dr. Ann Scheibert, and on and on and on. And that's why we're... uh, Number one in the podcast business is that we've got such a variety, we've got something that you're probably interested in, even classic cars, heaven forbid. Um, And we want to remind everybody that uh, November the 2nd in Columbus, Georgia, is the induction of our veteran heroes from Georgia that will be inducted into the Georgia Military Hall of Fame. And if you've never been to one of those events, uh, if you can still get a ticket, quite frankly, I can get a ticket, but I can't find a place to stay. So, uh, And sleeping in my car at my age is not the thing you raise your hand to do. Uh, And my car didn't have a shower in it. So we got a problem. But anyway... um, If you can make it to Columbus, Georgia on November the 2nd for the induction of the class of 2019 into the Georgia Military Hall of Fame, it is worth your while to do it and supporting our veterans like we should. And it's also first responders as well. So if you can make it to the to the induction ceremony on November the 2nd. And we also do, and I've been very thankful to Colonel Rick White, that he has been supplying us with just incredible guests that have all been inductees uh, into the Georgia Military Hall of Fame. And uh, they have been fantastic guests uh General Dix that was on the other day or a couple of weeks ago, and uh, uh, just wonderful people. Uh, Donnie Cochran was on. He was uh, he commanded the Blue Angels, and now there's a piece of equipment to, to maintain, James. <laughs> you bet. Uh, so anyway, we we want you to uh, listen to that. Listen to David's pick. It's um, the only show that I do, and uh, I'm just filling in like uh, James is today for our stars, <laughs> uh, Steve and Jim. But um, it's a good show, and it has wonderful veterans on it. And 
you know, the stories that they tell, they are our heroes. And if you don't support our military past and present, then you're a fool. Uh, they're the ones that have protected us. They're the ones that have helped give us all the many things that we have in the country and the best country in the world to live in. And um, I won't I won't name the name, but I saw as I was leaving the house today, there was a lady back in Vietnam. She also married Ted Turner for a while. That was a real bitch. And... Uh, I won't mention her name because I don't want to give her any credit, but she's out there again being arrested for her liberal views. And I, I'd just like to arrest her for the last time, throw her in a clink and, and throw away the key. And if you're as old as James and I are, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. And uh, she, uh, her nickname was Hanoi, and I won't say the next name because that identifies her, but um, she's a... She was and still is a piece of garbage, in my opinion. So, with that being said, let's get back to classic cars, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna take we're gonna transport one. Well, in transporting, you got two ways of transporting: either on an open trailer or a closed trailer. And and the biggest problem is on an open trailer if you want to keep uh, damage off your vehicle. If you notice that the uh, railroad cars now, when they're transporting vehicles, they used to be in the open. You could see the cars. And what they were experiencing was a lot of transport damage. I worked in a dealership back in the uh, uh, 70s, and that was a huge problem. And there were several meetings that we had uh, covering the transport damage. Vehicles that got in that had rocks thrown through the windshield or damage to the side. As people, as the vehicles were going along on the tracks, or, on the cars, uh, people and kids and that would throw stuff at them. So now if you notice that the cars are transported and they have protective guards on the side to prevent that. But if you have an open trailer, it's good to have a car cover to cover it up so that you, you avoid any kind of damage. Well, we also have a sponsor that was the first to come out with the covered transport, and that's Passport Transport. And uh, Ed Watts and uh, TJ, they do a fantastic job at Passport, and um, highly recommend them. If you're transport, you know, it just makes sense, in my opinion. Uh, anywhere from, uh, it doesn't matter what the cost is, 10000 up to 2 or $3 million car, it should be it should be in a covered transport. It shouldn't be Absolutely. open air, you know. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Uh, they uh, they uh, passport transport. The other thing about them is their drivers. These aren't clunks off the side of the road that decided to drive an eighteen wheeler. These are guys that know classic cars. They know cars. And um, James, I I would assume and and guess that you know you don't want anybody just you don't want an idiot like me climbing in your classic car and trying to get it up the ramp you want somebody that knows what they're doing knows how to handle a car that's a hundred years old and knows how to protect it as they're putting it on the ramp and know and there's a trick to it too with the fact that what kind of car do you want on the top and what kind of car do you want on the bottom? And that car on the bottom, if the car on top is leaking, 
something, anything, right. you'll want to protect it. Right. So, if you're going to be transporting, like, call Passport Transport. You got it. I want to, if I could, I'd like to back up to what I talked about first thing today, which was the fuel tank filling it completely full. Sure. Uh, there was something that I failed to mention there, that after you do add the stabilizer, and the best time to do that is when you're adding fuel so that it mixes it up, you want to run the vehicle for a while so you make sure that you have that stabilizer throughout the fuel system and into the carburetor. As most people are dealing with, with uh, ethanol now, which is a big problem, and there's a lot of confusion about what is needed to prevent uh, damage caused by ethanol gasoline. You have to keep in mind that there's no additive on the market that eliminates the ethanol. You can only treat the negative effects of ethanol, which are water absorption, corrosion, and loss of performance. Bell Performance has a product uh, there in Longwood, Florida, has a commercial-grade product called Ethanol Defense. And it has proven to be its ability to remove absorbed water, protect the fuel system, components against corrosion. It has a a lubricant in it that coats all the parts and uh, gives you back a good amount of your lost fuel mileage or performance. <laughs> so you do need to treat it with something like that. And it does have that that uh, ethanol defense. Uh, it also has stabilizer in it. So the one product can help you with all of that. You know, the, the thing that you mentioned that I, I uh, in fact, I've even been guilty of until it finally got through to my peanut brain, but... Uh, a lot of people will be guilty of the same thing, and that's, uh, oh, well, I put ethanol defense in my uh, gas tank, and uh, I still had problems the next year when I cranked it up. Well, did you crank it up and let it run through your system? Oh, no, I just put I just put it in the gas tank. And if you don't crank that sucker up and let it get through the system, it ain't going to do you a whole lot of good you just sitting there. And that's the biggest mistake that I run into. I take care of large... Uh, tanks here in Central Florida is they pour the chemicals in but they don't pour them in in a way that mixes them. If you don't blend them into the fuel, they're not going to be effective. So, not that everybody's a dummy, but I certainly was for many years, but I learned that after I put the uh, ethanol defense in my weed eater, crank that sucker up, no more problems. But uh, a couple of years, I put it in and never cranked it up until the next year, and gee, I got to have my carburetor rebuilt. And, um, and because the ethanol will actually, it's corrosive, and it'll actually dissolve the aluminum in the carburetor. Yeah. But nobody ever claimed that I was a scientist anyway, so. And uh, I don't think I'm up, I might be up for the noble, but not the Nobel. Well, that ethanol defense, if anyone's interested, they can find it. We have a website. Uh, it's uh, bellperformance.net or bellperformance.com. And just about everything that we talked about and, and a lot more is on that site. There's all kinds of information uh, that people can read on that site. You know what, my friend? We're out of time. So I want to thank you quick. for... It did, and I want to thank you for everything. Stay on, and uh, I'll get back to you in a second. But for now, you're listening to America's Web Radio, and we certainly appreciate you living in. Stay tuned, listening in. Stay tuned for more on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.